Jesus makes his disciples a wonderful promise. I have given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and to overcome all the power of the enemy. Nothing will harm you. This is the Bible Speaks to You podcast, episode 199. Today we're going to be talking about speaking to the devil with authority. You're listening to The Bible Speaks to You podcast. I'm James Early, your host, and this is the place to be to rediscover the original Christianity of Jesus. Each week, we talk about how Jesus wanted us to think and act and pray and live our daily lives. And we dig down into the mindset of Jesus to discover how we can think and act like he did. The goal is to experience more of Jesus' promise that the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Hey there, and welcome again to the Bible Speaks to You podcast. As always, I am so grateful that you're here listening today. I've got a pretty serious topic today. We're going to be talking about speaking to the devil with authority. Have you ever felt overwhelmed with a problem or a series of problems, and then things seem to escalate from there? It seems like evil forces are trying to tempt you or perhaps harm you, someone you love, or something dear to you. It is so important, especially in this world with all the materialism of the day clamoring for our attention, to be able to resist and defeat these evil influences in our lives. Now, there's no way to cover everything on this topic, but I'm going to share some ideas that I've found really helpful. As always, Jesus gives us the answers we need. There's a wonderful story in Luke chapter 10 where Jesus sends 70 of his followers, or 72, depending on which translation you're reading, to preach the good news of the kingdom of God in the towns where he was about to go. You can read the whole account and the specific instructions Jesus gave his disciples in Luke chapter 10, verses 1 through 12 and 17 through 20. I want to focus specifically on verses 17 through 20. The seventy-two returned with joy and said, Lord, even the demons submit to us in your name. He replied, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. I have given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and to overcome all the power of the enemy. Nothing will harm you. However, do not rejoice that the spirits submit to you but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. Now, there's a lot going on in these few verses. Jesus had authorized these 72 disciples to preach the gospel. He empowered them to heal in his name. By the way, that doesn't just mean repeating the words of Jesus' name. It means speaking and acting, thinking and praying in the Spirit of Christ with the mind of Christ As Paul says in 1 Corinthians 2.16, we have the mind of Christ. 
When the disciples returned and reported that, as they were preaching, the demons submitted to them, Jesus said something bigger was going on spiritually. It's not just that people were being healed and freed from evil spirits. What was really going on on a deeper level, Jesus says, is that Satan fell like lightning coming down out of the sky. Now, did Jesus mean this literally, or was he using this as a metaphor to explain that Satan, or the power of evil, was falling from power and authority? I don't know. I wasn't there. But whether you take it literally or metaphorically, the point is that Satan fell from power and authority because the gospel of the kingdom of heaven was being preached. This is an important point to remember when you're dealing with evil forces, temptations, and influences. It means it's time to preach the gospel of the kingdom. And it can mean you have been preaching the gospel, bearing witness to the fact that the kingdom of heaven is at hand. What seems like evil forces descending on you may actually be the process of evil being destroyed, the falling from heaven is lightning, so to speak, with a big bang and a dramatic light as it's being destroyed. Jesus makes his disciples a wonderful promise. I have given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and to overcome all the power of the enemy. Nothing will harm you. Jesus didn't want his followers, and that includes you and me, to be defenseless in dealing with the enemy, with Satan. He gave them authority over all evil influences and over all the power of Satan. Christ gives this same promise and gift to you and me when we understand and bear witness to the good news that the kingdom of God is at hand. But it's not just enough to have been given this gift of dominion over evil. We have to accept and exercise this power bestowed by Christ. The first step may simply be to acknowledge that we have it and that Jesus wouldn't have bestowed it unless he knew we could use it in the right way. There are lots of times when Jesus exercised his authority over Satan. One of the most obvious ones is when he was tempted in the wilderness after fasting for 40 days and nights. Three times the devil tempted Jesus. Three times Jesus quoted the scriptures to fend off temptation. You can read the whole account in Matthew 4, 1 through 11. Each time Jesus quoted an appropriate scripture, and they were all from the book of Deuteronomy, by the way, it shed more light on what the underlying temptation was. The first two temptations, to make stones into bread and jump off the highest point of the temple, were secondary to what Satan really was attempting in the third temptation. Because Jesus refused to take the bait Satan offered in the first two temptations, it forced Satan to show his hand in the third one. This is Matthew 4, 8 through 9. The devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. All this I will give you, he said, if you will bow down and worship me. This was the ultimate temptation behind the other two. It's the temptation to break the first commandment. Whenever you are tempted to do, say, or think something that isn't right, the real temptation, the temptation behind the temptation, is to have and worship 
more than one God, is to believe that something besides God can give you happiness, health, or purpose in life. But of course, Jesus sees through this just as he did with the first two temptations. But this time he doesn't just quote scripture, he commands Satan to leave him. I love the authority with which Jesus says in Matthew 4.10, the King James puts it this way, Get thee hence, Satan. And the New International Version says, Away from me, Satan. I heard a story about a little kid in Sunday school who had learned this story about Jesus being tempted. The next Sunday, he came to class and shared how he had dealt with a problem during the week. The teacher asked him how he prayed. The little boy replied, I said, Satan, you're a big fat liar. Get lost. Scram. And he was happy to report that whatever the problem was had been solved. This little child took to heart the essence of Jesus' experience in the wilderness and applied it to his own life. You and I can do the same. Remember when Jesus healed the woman who had been bent over for 18 years? He said, this is Luke 13, 16, This dear woman, a daughter of Abraham, has been held in bondage by Satan for 18 years. Isn't it right that she be released, even on the Sabbath? Jesus proved his power over the devil by healing her, but he was acknowledging that's what the real problem was. Every time Jesus healed, he was exercising his authority over Satan. John points this out in 1 John 3, 8. The Son of God came to destroy the works of the devil. Now, you may be thinking, hey, James, all this sounds pretty good, but I don't always feel like I have the authority to speak to the devil the way Jesus did. Well, I know exactly how you feel. Here's something that's helped me. Jesus knew he had authority over Satan because he saw the devil for what he was. Here's how Jesus describes him in John 8:44. He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of lies. Jesus knew everything the devil said was a lie. When the devil suggested turning rocks into bread would satisfy Jesus' hunger, Jesus knew he was lying. Only God's word could satisfy Jesus' true hunger and thirst. Jesus wasn't fooled when the devil quoted Psalm 91, implying that if Jesus jumped off the temple, God would send angels to catch him. Jesus knew the devil couldn't push him off the temple. He could only suggest to Jesus the idea to jump. And Jesus knew the devil was lying about being able to give him the world if he bowed down and worshipped him. The world didn't belong to the devil. It wasn't his to give. Undoubtedly, Jesus knew this verse from Psalm 24, 1. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. When you are tempted to do something wrong, or when challenges come up and you're tempted to believe God cannot solve the problem, take a moment to remember that everything Satan says is a lie. You can say, just like that little Sunday school kid, Satan, you're a big fat liar. Get lost. Scram. But it's not just saying the right words that gets rid of the devil. 
In the book of Acts, there's a story of some folks who thought they could cast out evil spirits just by copying what someone else said. This is Acts 19, 13 through 16. Some Jews who went around driving out evil spirits tried to invoke the name of the Lord Jesus over those who were demon-possessed. They would say, In the name of the Jesus whom Paul preaches, I command you to come out. Seven sons of Sceva, a Jewish chief priest, were doing this. One day the evil spirit answered them, Jesus I know and Paul I know about, but who are you? Then the man who had the evil spirit jumped on them and overpowered them. He gave them such a beating that they ran out of the house naked and bleeding. As I said, it's not just about the words you say. You can't copy someone else. You must feel the spirit and authority of Christ. Another thing that empowered Jesus to defeat Satan was that Jesus knew his inseparable relationship with God. And he knew that with God all things are possible. That's Matthew 19:26. Jesus could see God's supremacy over the devil and all his lies. He knew that the kingdom of heaven is at hand. That's Matthew 4:17. In this kingdom of heaven there is no devil nor any devilish temptations. Jesus saw this so clearly that he was never deceived by Satan's lies and claim to power. To the degree you and I see as clearly as Jesus did that the kingdom of heaven is at hand, here and now, we will not be fooled by the devil's temptations. Another thing that's helped me immensely to speak with authority to Satan is the realization that the temptations that come to me are not my thoughts. I know people who feel very guilty for being tempted to do something wrong. They think they must be terrible people for having such awful thoughts. But here's the truth. The temptations are not coming from inside you. The devil is whispering them into your thinking and trying to disguise them as your thoughts. Here's an example. Let's say you're tempted to steal an apple from the grocery store. Where did that thought come from? Jesus says in Matthew 15:19, For out of the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false testimony, slander. And he's right. Some of these thoughts may be in your heart. But how did they get in your heart? Where did the idea to steal an apple come from? Did God put it in your heart? Or did Satan? Satan tries to make you think it's your thought. He doesn't say, hey, there's an apple. It sure looks good. You should steal that apple. No one will notice. Instead, he whispers into your mind, in your voice, there's an apple. It sure looks good. If I steal it, no one will notice. Do you see the difference? We hear the devil talking in the first person in our voice. We hear that and get fooled into thinking it's our thought. But it never is. When we get fooled this way, we take the thought into our heart and adopt it as our own, feeling guilty that we're such a bad person to think such things, even if we never follow through with the inappropriate action. Any time you are tempted to do or think something that is not God's will, 
it was not originally your thought. It's a temptation disguised as your thought directly from the devil. Another thing that has helped me speak with authority to Satan is to turn the lie he's telling me back on him. For example, let's say I hear the temptation, I want to steal that apple. I turn it back on the devil and say, that's right, Satan, you want me to steal that apple, but you can't make me do it any more than you could push Jesus off the temple. You can only try to make me think I want to do it, but I'm not falling for your lies. Now, you can't just copy these words either. You have to speak from your own heart. Sometimes the temptations are more subtle and harder to realize that they're not your thinking, especially when they're about how we see ourselves. What if you hear the words in your mind, I'm no good at my job. I don't think I can do this project the boss gave me. Turn it back to where it came from and say something like this. You're right, Satan. You are no good. You can't do this project or help me do it. But with God's help, I will be able to do whatever I need to. What you begin to realize is that the devil is projecting, or at least trying to project, his own nature onto you and make you think that's the way you are. Basically, the devil accuses you of being guilty of his evil thoughts. But he can only accuse. I think it's really interesting that one of the names for Satan in Revelation is the accuser. That's in Revelation 12:10. One more thing I have found helpful at times is to call Satan by name, just as Jesus did in the wilderness and the little boy in Sunday school. The devil has lots of names in Scripture. We've talked about a few of them. You may have another name for the liar and father of lies. Why is this important? What difference does it make if you call evil by its name? Well, for me, it helps give clarity to what's going on. I'm not fooled so quickly when I realize I'm being tempted by the devil, as opposed to thinking it's my idea to do something wrong. I'd like to share an example that happened to me many years ago that taught me the importance of calling Satan by name. Not too long after I made a commitment to follow Christ and get serious about my faith in high school, I got a terrible pain in my back. I couldn't stand, sit, or lie down without excruciating pains going up and down my spine. This went on for a day or two. My mom came into my bedroom, and I was lying on the bed trying to find a comfortable position, and she helped me get out of bed because we had to go somewhere. She said very lovingly, but very matter-of-factly, James, this is just the devil trying to tempt you to believe that your strength and support is material. Your real strength and support is from God. Now, that may sound like an odd thing to say to someone in pain, but when she called out Satan like that, it sort of woke me up. I could see what she was talking about. And with all the earnestness of my newfound faith, I held on to that idea that God was the source of my true strength and support. And the pain just drained away. I was pretty amazed. Nothing like that had ever happened to me before. Let's come back to the question of whether the devil has any actual power over you. Some churches 
teach that Satan has power derived from or allowed by God. If you accept that as a premise, then you'll never have full authority over evil because you believe his power comes from or is permitted by God. How can you or I destroy something that comes from God? I always like to come back to and start with what Jesus says about the devil. He defined him as a liar and the father of lies, a murderer from the beginning, in whom there is no truth. Does a lie have any power over you? Not at all, unless you believe it. The only thing the devil can do is tell lies. The only way those lies have power is when we believe them. Satan has told the lie so many times that he has power that a lot of people believe it. A perfect example of this is the man-made doctrine that Satan is a fallen angel. But this is a lie. Just because a wolf puts on sheep's clothing doesn't make it a sheep. Paul uncovers this lie in 2 Corinthians 11:14. Satan himself masquerades as an angel of light. Satan disguises himself as an angel or a fallen angel and repeats this lie so often that many Christians believe it and teach this doctrine. But just because Satan claims to be or have been an angel with power and authority from God doesn't make it so. I know this is a controversial topic among some traditional Christian theologies, and you don't have to agree with me. In fact, I'd love to hear your thoughts on it. But before you get all bent out of shape over this, and if you'd like to see why I don't believe Satan is a fallen angel, based on just what the Bible is saying, I suggest you listen to episode 41 of the Bible Speaks to You podcast called Satan is Not a Fallen Angel, and I'll have the link in the show notes. In this episode, I examine all the Bible texts used to explain that Satan is a fallen angel and show how they've been taken out of context. I go into a lot of detail, but for brevity's sake here, I'll simply repeat how Jesus defined the devil as a murderer from the beginning. Hmm, he didn't say he was an angel in the beginning who fell from heaven and then became a murderer. And in that same verse I quoted from 1 John earlier, 1 John 3, 8, John says, when people kept on sinning, it shows that they belong to the devil who has been sinning since the beginning. John corroborates what Jesus has said there. I know this goes against what a lot of people believe, but I think I'm going to go with what Jesus says over what all these theological experts say. And why is this even important? Because, as I said, if you believe for some reason Satan was at one point an angel, and even though he rebelled against God, he still has some of the power given to him by God, you're trying to resist and overcome something given or permitted by God. You're fighting against something God allows or ordains. But Satan has no God-derived or God-allowed power. When you understand this and depend completely on God, you'll always have the power and authority and confidence to rebuke the devil as the powerless liar he is. James sums it all up this way. 
Submit yourselves then to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. You can only resist the devil, you can only speak with authority to Satan when you first submit wholly, completely to God. This allows you to see the devil for what he is, a liar, the father of lies, a murderer from the beginning, in whom there is no truth. Christ gives you this authority over Satan. God empowers you to exercise this authority, and the Holy Spirit keeps you alert to when and how to speak to Satan with authority. Never doubt your ability to follow Jesus' example of speaking to Satan with your God-given authority. Hey, thank you so much for listening. I really appreciate you being here today. If you have any comments or concerns or questions about anything I've mentioned today, I really would love to hear from you. Go to the website, thebiblespeakstoyou.com, and click on the Contact tab in the menu bar. I would love to hear your thoughts. If you haven't signed up for my email notification list, I encourage you to do so. While you're on the website, click on the Subscribe tab in the menu bar, fill out the form, and you're all set. That way you'll never miss an episode, and when you sign up, I'll send you a prayer guide called Praying with the Mindset of Jesus. If you'd like to study all the Bible references I've mentioned today or read a full transcript of today's episode, you can find those on the show notes on my website, thebiblespeakstoyou.com forward slash 199. This is episode 199. And speaking of that, next week I'll be celebrating episode 200 of the Bible Speaks to You podcast. It's going to be a special episode with contributions from many of my listeners all over the world, and I can't wait to share it with you. That will come out August 8th, so please keep an eye out for that. I can't wait to share it with you. I just want to thank you for all the ways that you have been supportive of the Bible Speaks to You podcast and made it so successful. That's it for this week. I'm James Early with the Bible Speaks to You podcast. Have a great week. Take care, and we'll see you next time. God bless.